The Evolved Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the second article review on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. As with the first episode last November, I've selected a few of the relevant articles, insights and contributions from the Evolve website that have really caught my eye and of which I thought were worthy of some further discussion and insight. So without further ado, let's get started. The first piece is one I thought very appropriate for the start of the new year, written by Evolve's own Oliver Roberts. The opening paragraphs of six ways to get out of your comfort zone talk about how the infinite conveniences of modern life, while often saving us time and making our lives more pleasant, have also conditioned us to become adverse to discomfort. Not only that, but statistics show that people generally feel more depressed, bored and unfulfilled than ever before. Oliver writes that he believes one of the main reasons for this is we simply do not challenge ourselves enough. He writes, When you look back on your life, it's certain that a significant chunk of your standout memories are from situations where you're in some sort of discomfort. And by discomfort, I don't mean unpleasant scenarios like being ill or feeling stressed. I mean those times when you willingly opened yourself up to fear or to pain or exhaustion. Citing examples like running your first half marathon, or for the first time you cycled 60 miles, or the birth of your children, or those 18-hour days building your business, Oliver notes it is these experiences where your courage, resilience and determination come to the fore. And not only were you fulfilled by those challenges, they also made you realise you were more capable than you previously thought. Something that really resonated with me. Discomfort and personal growth go hand in hand. And while, of course, nobody welcomes discomfort in any form of high stress or illness, rather, it's the willful exposure to discomfort, both mental and physical, that can be extremely beneficial to you. By pushing yourself through those barriers, you not only gain a deeper understanding of yourself, you chip away at any limiting beliefs you might have, which in turn can only lead to enhanced drive to succeed and do things on your own terms. A great example of this is the wonderful Pip Hare and her exploits in completing the recent Vendee Globe Challenge. If you go back and read some of her blogs or watch some of her video posts on social media as she was completing the Vendee Globe, you'll see that she was putting herself under stress and discomfort but growing as an individual at the same time. One of our main focuses at Evolve is around habit creation. We believe that establishing good habits, whether that be a new routine or replacing an existing bad habit with good ones, are key to personal growth. But habit creation is about persistence. Remember, it's established that it takes around three weeks for a new habit to really take hold. And too many times people give up on a new habit before they've really given it time to really start to benefit them. Again, this comes down to getting used to discomfort because any new good habit will inevitably go against your natural inclination 
to do the easy and comfortable thing, such as exercising or reading a challenging book instead of watching television. I've got a great personal example of this when in November, having read the Wim Hof book, I decided to start a cold shower regime. Now over 100 days into taking a cold shower every single morning for two to three minutes, I really look forward to that and I'm getting great benefits as a result. But those first two or three days and into even the second week of adopting a cold shower regime, I could have easily given up. It was grim. It was really cold and I couldn't see the benefits of implementing a cold shower regime. But perseverance means that it is something that is now in my daily habit and routine. So is now really going to be an ideal time to review your habits? Go on, do it. Decide on some new ones. In this spirit, Oliver suggests six simple things you can do to get out of your comfort zone and ensure you're always accelerating your personal growth. The first is to read a book a month. Now, as Oliver says by book, we don't mean Fifty Shades of Grey or Shane Warne's autobiography. Who would want to read that anyway? Though no offence if you've enjoyed either of those. What we mean is books that challenge your way of thinking, whether it be written by someone or on something you thoroughly oppose, a difficult subject you have very little knowledge about, or simply a deeper look into a topic you enjoy. Books like these expand your worldview and teach you new, useful things. The second thing you can do to get out of your comfort zone is to take on a challenging hobby. Now, you might already have one, but why not set yourself a challenge in that hobby if you already do? Personally, I love to ride my bike up mountains when I can get onto the continent. But what about expanding into something else, like learning to paint or play a musical instrument? There's also online courses for just about anything these days. And remember that learning new things is a great way to starve off conditions like Alzheimer's later in life. Oliver's next tip is simply to do that extra 25%, whether it's work, reading, exercising, or anything that challenges you both mentally and physically. The next time you think you're done, why not aim to put in an extra 25%? This is great for building resilience as well as uncovering new limits within yourself. Challenge number four is simply to say yes. On this, Oliver writes, while it's good practice to weigh the risks and make considered decisions, Sometimes you should just go with your gut and say yes. By willingly thrusting yourself into an uncertain situation, you've forced yourself to adapt and learn new ways of doing things. I think this is great advice. And actually, Steve Witt of Not Just Travel said on the recent Evolve to Succeed podcast, where I had a discussion with him, that this was one of his fundamental traits in life, taught to him by his dad, and that is just to say yes and work it out later. Meditation comes up as the next way to get out of your comfort zone. Personally, I've struggled for a long time with this concept and practice of meditation. But on the Evolve to Succeed podcast in November last year, I interviewed Kate Hughes, a former solicitor and barrister who has now set up her own meditation practice. She presented in a very simple and user-friendly way with no woo-woo, just learning to sit quietly and clear your mind once a day, even if it's just for 10 minutes. And while this advice is certainly beautifully simple, try it and you'll see what a challenge it is, simply to shut your mind off from all those racing thoughts. 
As with any new habit, meditation works best when you commit to it every day. And I really advise trying and giving it a go. I struggle with this. I have a very active, busy mind. But I'm trying and I'm persevering because I can see the benefits it'll bring. Just be mindful that it takes about three weeks of daily meditation to really start feeling the results. However, I can attest that it's really worth the effort and do it often enough and again it'll become part of your daily routine. The sixth and final way Oliver suggests we can get out of our comfort zone is to be more accountable. He writes, Being accountable is probably the most important factor in getting out of your comfort zone. Without having others around you who are also pushing themselves and sharing their successes and challenges, it's too easy to take the easy, safe road instead of committing courageously to your dreams. How often have you not done something or followed through with something? Compared with situations where you've committed to a member of your family or a friend that you're going to go ahead and do something, to undertake a challenge, to take a course of action. When you do so, how more often do you follow up and make it happen? It's this spirit of accountability that forms the core of Evolve's peer groups. We've found that being accountable for the goals and challenges you set yourself makes it much more likely that you do follow through upon them. This discomfort, for want of a better word, comes in having to confront not only yourself, but others if you should start to get lazy or complacent. Accountability is also a fantastic antidote to that familiar old enemy, procrastination. I think it's very apt that after Oliver's article in which he mentions meditation, that our next article for review is written by someone who practices and teaches meditation for a living. A few years ago, Kate Hughes left her very successful career after severe stress, left her with several side effects, including temporary vision loss in one eye. She has since started her own meditation practice where she focuses on workplace and corporate meditation. As I mentioned, I'd always been in two minds about meditation and this was one of the reasons I invited Kate onto the Evolve to Succeed podcast in November. She has a gift for presenting meditation in a way which is much more accessible to the layman and she removes any misconceptions about what it might be holding you back from and giving it a go. If meditation is something that interests you even a little bit, I recommend you listen to that episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Following the podcast, Kate wrote an article for Evolve entitled How I Built True Confidence. She starts by talking about how when she decided on her career change, she wasn't so much daunted by the idea of starting from zero and having no experience as a teacher, but rather by the technology involved, such as starting a Facebook page and building a website. This prompted her to ask the questions, what is confidence? How do you acquire it? And why do some people have more than others? According to Kate, confidence is the deep sense that you can handle the emotional outcome of whatever you face or whatever you pursue. That sounds good, she writes. But what is the emotional outcome of me messing up on an online adventure, or usually more accurately, misadventure? Kate then goes on to say that while our little mistakes and shortcomings will likely have no disastrous, lingering effect in the real world, what these little doubts and insecurities can do is chip away 
our confidence and our self-belief. Call it imposter syndrome, self-doubt or limiting beliefs. It's something many of us have experienced, especially when starting out on our first business ventures. You ask yourself, am I ready for this? Can I handle the pressure? Can I really make it work? Kay explains that she overcome those nagging, niggling emotions using, you've guessed it, meditation. Kate writes that meditation taught her to sit with those uncomfortable feelings, seeing what happened when she did, seeing what happened afterwards, evaluating the experience, then repeat, repeat, repeat. If we're not afraid of the emotional outcome, she says, if in fact we know we can handle it, then in theory we can do anything. She then goes on to conclude that meditation is a powerful tool that can help us to see solutions when we thought there were none. It can get us from fear to acceptance and from failure to success. And yes, as a result, it can give us confidence. I think it's fair to say that in these unprecedented times, confidence is an especially important trait to hone and maintain. Remember that exuding a certain confidence is not only benefit to yourself. When you're in the position of leadership, your team will be looking to you to show that confidence and certainty that you have a plan and that you have things under control. By doing this, that confidence will helpfully rub off on your team members and keep them feeling optimistic and motivated to keep going, despite all the uncertainty. For the third article that I'm going to take a look at today, I'm going to go to another one of our podcast guests, Lee Chambers. Lee is an environmental psychologist and life coach who a few years ago lost his ability to walk as a result of an autoimmune disease. Through grit and determination, he managed to get fully back on his feet some 11 months later. This experience profoundly changed his worldview and blessed him with a unique wisdom. If you haven't yet, I highly suggest you take a listen to that inspirational conversation. In November, Lee wrote an article for us entitled Five Traits of Mindful Leadership. As you may know, leadership is a favourite topic of mine, as I'm sure it is with any of you who run or lead a business. Leadership development is also something we focus on in Evolves peer groups and in our one-to-one coaching sessions. Because great leadership truly is an art form, it demands high degrees of self-awareness and empathy and requires you to play several roles from mediator to psychologist to crisis manager to motivator, sometimes all at once. And every leader has different qualities, different strengths and weaknesses, and different ideas on what good leadership looks like. It's an infinitely fascinating subject with so many talking points and opinions. Lee begins this article he wrote for us by asking four questions. What is your motivation for leading? Are you in a leadership role because you enjoy control, power and fame? Are you leading to serve or leading to be served? And are you willing to put the interests of your team or business ahead of your own interests? I think it's an idea to write these important questions down and take some time to look at them at some point. For now though, we'll look at these five traits that Lee says defines an approach that is more mindful and less egocentric. The first is always to lead by example. Now this seems like an obvious one, but it's much more difficult than it seems. 
Lee says you must never expect people to do the things you're not yourself willing to do. The moment you do this, it creates a disconnect between you and your team and creates an undesirable sense of hierarchy that can lead to discord and a loss of respect and motivation. When times are especially challenging, it's you as a self-appointed leader that must be prepared to buckle down and tackle the difficult things. From my own personal experience, when you do this, you can inspire confidence in those around you and they follow your lead in fighting for the cause. However, if there's any sense that you're leaving your team to do the dirty work or that you think you're too good or too experienced for some of the tasks, the effect will be the exact opposite. So, as you see, this principle of leading by example also includes the difficult art of delegation of making everyone in your team feel needed and respected. Lee's second trait of mindful leadership is to appreciate and recognise. He writes, getting paid is not always the be-all and end-all. Some individuals need to be both recognised and appreciated for the constant hard work and effort. This is such an important point to remember, namely because as Lee alludes to, not every member of your team necessarily requires recognition for their work. Some see their salary as their recognition, and that's enough for them. But regardless of this, I think that taking the time to compliment your team members on their good work, even if it's a few minutes once a month or a quick email, can only bolster a positive attitude and keep everyone happier and more motivated. We're really keen at Evolve to look at motivation, and as part of our recent Peer Networks programme that we run for the Solon and Dorset LEPs, we've included within that some motivational analysis through the use of motivational maps. If you want to find out more about how you can find out what motivates your team, then please do get in touch and contact with us. Because I think that as business leaders, we can sometimes get so caught up in the day-to-day things that we can forget the force that sits behind us, helping to steer the ship. And as Lee says, failure to recognise your team members' efforts can lead to some to start looking elsewhere for job roles. And so you might risk losing a valued member of staff simply because you didn't take the time to say a simple thank you. Lee's third trait is closely tied to the second one, and that is humility. Letting go of your egos and our sense of self-importance is an incredibly effective way to become a great leader. You only have to look at former US President Donald Trump to see how arrogance and a large ego in a leader results in discord, chaos, and ultimately embarrassment and loss of respect. Lee remarks that unfortunately, humility can be perceived as a weakness or lack of confidence, whereas of course it's the opposite. And for me, that sense of humility is what makes a difference in modern leadership between that old-fashioned alpha male type approach of leadership, which is so outdated in this modern world. Lee writes, a humble leader has the ability to recognise their strengths and weaknesses and has the courage to ask for assistance when they need it. Being a humble leader means being open to receiving feedback and examining their own shortcomings when goals have not been attained, rather than immediately blaming others around them. Fourth on Lee's list is compassionate communication. I think compassionate is the key word here. Because as with some other traits we've discussed, it's important as a good leader to know how to talk to each member of your team. For instance, some are okay with a somewhat blunt 
communication style, while others appreciate a softer approach with a proper hello and asking how they are. I'll start here to talk about digital communication because I think that's when your communication skills are especially relevant. You must remember that over email or text, your tone of voice is sometimes difficult to decipher. So before you hit send, it's vital that you check to see if anything you've said could be taken in the wrong way. Reflect on when perhaps you've had a bad experience of receiving an email from someone else that you took in the wrong way because of that tone of voice is missing in an email and how you can apply better skills in the communications that you write and put together and send digitally. As for mindful verbal communication, remember that words can both inspire and hurt. So be careful how you use them and to whom they are directed. Lee also points out another important aspect of communication and that's of always being 100% honest. He writes, always take the time to think about whether or not the response you're about to give is 100% honest and will be beneficial to the recipient. Although it may not always be possible to meet both these criteria, if you take sufficient time to be compassionate and thoughtful, your communication as possible, it increases the chance of a positive outcome for all involved. Last on these lists of mindful leadership traits is being emotionally balanced. What this really boils down to is mindfulness, understanding your emotions, watching and noting how you react to certain situations. Are those reactions of benefit to you? Or are they having a negative effect? Does the way you react to a problem make the problem seem worse or does it change your perception of it for the better and thus make it easier to solve? As Lee writes, this kind of mindfulness is most easily achieved through a practice such as meditation, which is becoming an increasingly mainstream thing these days, with many books and apps available that take all the mystique and misunderstanding out of the practice and turn it into something that is simply about taking 10 minutes a day to be quiet and recognize your thoughts. Turning this into a habit has proven to increase emotional intelligence, which as discussed is crucial to understanding not only yourself, but others too. Qualities that are essential for effective leadership. So a final thought for this podcast is, are you emotionally honest in business? Please do go to evolvemembers.com to become part of our community. Register to receive our weekly insights newsletter. All learn more about our peer groups, our coaching, our webinars, events, and other services offered by Evolve. Don't also forget that as lockdown comes to an end, if you're looking for a vibrant co-working space, we'd love to show you around our old schoolhouse in Ashley Cross in Paul. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. And if so, please do help us by rating, reviewing the podcast, together with subscribing to future episodes. Thank you for listening.